Welcome to the College Park Church of Christ Sermon Series Podcast. This sermon was recorded at the College Park Church of Christ in the Conroe Porter area. Join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thanks for studying the Word of God with us. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning. Pray that you've been uplifted and edified by our service thus far. As Mario mentioned, we're going to continue our sermon series on Eight Weeks to a Better Body. Uh, The body here obviously is the spiritual body, the body of Christ uh, that we're talking about. And we'll use the physical body as an analogy and as an illustration. Uh, But what we really want to talk about is how we as a body of Christ, as a church, can continue to grow and thrive and be better tomorrow than we are today. And ultimately, that's what we want for our congregation and for the church overall, is for it to continue to grow and to thrive. And so today, specifically, we're going to talk about the interdependence of the body. And to do that, I want to start off in Acts chapter 2. This is going to be a familiar passage to most of you, but this is the early church, day of Pentecost. 3,000 souls have just been uh, baptized into Jesus Christ. I just want you to notice the picture of what the church was doing and the togetherness of the church at this time. In verse 42 it says, "...they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and they had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need." And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And when I read through this passage of Scripture, there's a lot of uh, specific applications that come to mind and fellowship and and all of those things. But, But I want us to just focus for a moment on the fact that they were together. And they were doing things together. They relied upon each other. They were dependent upon each other. They were studying together, learning from one another, eating together, spending time with one another. This was a church that shows or illustrates the interdependent nature of the body of Christ. In other words, that we as Christian people need each other and are dependent upon one another within the body. So let's define this word interdependence just to give us a good understanding of what it is that we're talking about. Oxford Dictionary says interdependence means the dependence of two or more people or things on each other, right? So this is not a a, a singular dependent relationship, one-sided dependent relationship. This is two-sided. This is multiple people or things that are all dependent upon each other in order for success or for thriving or growth. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says the state of being dependent upon one another, mutual dependence. And so that's what I want us to think about as we talk about the interdependence of the body of Christ or the spiritual body is that ultimately we as Christian people should be mutually dependent upon each other and one another. And if we're going to be a successful, thriving church, whether that's here in this congregation or church in the grand scheme of things, we've got to be people that are together and that are depending upon one another. And so that's the topic of the morning. As we think about some examples of interdependence, I want you to think about our ecosystems. There's things that happen without us even really realizing it right in the background. I think about bees. Have you ever studied bees and how important bees are? Uh, About a third of the food that we as humans consume are in some way impacted by bees pollinating plants and things in order for us to be able to have that food, about a third of what we eat has to do with bees as a part of that process. You know, if bees suddenly disappeared, those food, 
uh, production sources at least would greatly dwindle, or there would be a lot less. Humans would have to intervene in other ways, obviously, uh, in order to, to make up that food production that bees naturally are doing inside our ecosystem. But did you know also that there are certain plants that only live and survive today because bees continue to pollinate them, and that if bees disappeared, those plants would go extinct. And there's no other, there's no other bug or animal that, that has to do with keeping them alive, essentially. It is all on the bee. And so in that, we see an interdependence. If the bee disappears, those plants disappear. If those plants were to all disappear, and suddenly the bees had no nectar to drink, what would happen to the bees? They would die. There's an interdependence there that we see in nature, and that's just one example. Think about business relationships. We've heard a lot about supply chain issues over the last few years, right? But I want you to think about businesses for a moment. Most businesses don't do everything that it takes in order to manufacture, produce, and sell a product. There are businesses that work together and have a symbiotic relationship in producing a product. So I want you to think about the fact that you've got companies that mine raw materials. And then you've got refineries that refine those materials, that then sell to manufacturers who use those raw materials to put together a product, who then sell the product to distributors or wholesalers in bulk, who then turn around and sell to your vendors, to your Walmarts and Targets and all those sorts of places that are kind of the end of the line in the supply chain that sell to the consumer. And that's a lot of different businesses that are all interdependent upon each other. If suddenly the mining company stops mining materials, there's nothing to manufacture, there's nothing to sell. If suddenly the manufacturing plant goes offline and nothing's being manufactured, you might have the raw materials, but you don't have the final product to sell. There's an interdependence between those businesses in order for all of them to thrive. If you think about sports teams for a moment, Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time. Yep, I said it, LeBron fans. <laughs> but as great as he was, if the other four players on his team had just stepped to the side... Would the Bulls have ever won anything and he was going one on five every possession? No. There's an interdependence when it comes to teams. When you're working together and as great as one member of that team might be, you have to have all of the other team members working together. You're mutually dependent upon each other when you play a sport like that. Or else there's not going to be success. And then I want us to think about our physical body. Our body is, is an amazing creation by God. God has created systems within our body that all work together at the same time to allow us to do the things that we need to do in life, to get up and to work and to move and eat and have a family and all those things, and God has designed us to be able to do that. And from a very basic level, of course, we could illustrate this by talking about the, the actual parts of our body, right? And if, if we lose one part of our body, it hinders us, and the rest of the body has to compensate. If I lose one arm, I have to learn how to do everything with my left arm. If I, if I lose both arms, that's even more difficult, and so on and so forth. And so we can think about it from that kind of that basic standpoint, but also want to dig a little bit deeper and think about the systems of the body that's within us. There are 11 major systems of the body, including the integumentary or skin uh, system, skeletal, muscular, nervous, endocrine, cardiovascular, lymphatic, respiratory, digestive, urinary, and reproductive systems. And all of these systems work together inside of our bodies to create us and to help us to live and to thrive. Directly or indirectly, all of these body systems rely on one another. And I want to give you an example. So breathing something that we do without even thinking about it, right? 
But breathing involves at least four of these major body systems working together to enable us to breathe. Our nervous system, which includes our brain and our nerves, send impulses to our body to give instruction for us to breathe. The muscles in our chest help our lungs to actually expand and contract. And without the muscles doing their job, the muscular system, we wouldn't be able to take in air and breathe it back out the way that we're supposed to. At the same time, the respiratory system, which is the lungs, takes in that oxygenated air through the instruction given by the nervous system and the help by the muscular system. And then the circulatory system will take the oxygen from the air that we breathe in, take it through our veins in the red blood cells, take it to organs in our body, which every cell in our body needs oxygen in order to be able to live and to survive. And then it will trade that oxygen out with the carbon dioxide and take that back to our lungs, which is then expelled. And so you've got our nervous system sending instructions, the muscular system helping to allow our respiratory system to work. You've got the respiratory system taking in oxygen and sending that through the circulatory system to help us to live. And all of that happens without us even thinking about it. But if one of those systems suddenly were to stop working, what would happen? We wouldn't be breathing And then we'd notice. We'd notice immediately, and it would be a problem. Because in order to live and function and do the things that we need to do, we need to be breathing. The same thing is true for our spiritual body. The different people and parts of the spiritual body of Christ are all important and a part of making the whole body of Christ function. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. If one system is damaged, diseased, or malfunctioning, it affects the entire body. Every system and body part needs to be healthy and performing its correct function in order for the body to thrive. So, let's take this to the spiritual side. That's what we really want to know, right? You didn't really want an anatomy lesson. Uh, We want to talk about the church. We want to talk about our spiritual lives. As we think about the body of Christ and using those illustrations of interdependence, so we understand what that means, mutual dependence, multiple parts or people all relying on each other. Let's put that in spiritual terms. First of all, I want us to recognize that the scripture teaches that we are many individual members, but of one body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 14. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we all... Are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit? For the body is not one member, but many. And so this idea of interdependence of many different parts working together to help the whole is exactly what the scripture teaches related to the spiritual body or the body of Christ. Is that all of us, you and me as people, here today in this congregation or in the universal church as a whole, we are one member among many, but those many members make up one body, one family. Christ, uh, Scott, not Christ, talked about Scott, but Scott talked about Christ uh, last week on being the head, right, of that body. And so as Christ, the head, sends the instructions much as our head or brain would do to the rest of the body, we as the body of Christ, many members together in one body, have to take those instructions from our head and then implement it and apply it in a way where we work together to make the whole thing work and thrive. 
And one of us can't do that. A few of us can't do that. It takes all of us, every part of us, working together to do that. Just like the many parts of the physical body working together at the same time to help us breathe. Like the many members of a sports team all having to be a part and working together to have success there. The same thing is true for us. We are one body with many members. And each member has a different function. And we talk about this from time to time, and it's true. But all of us come from different backgrounds with different abilities, with different talents, different things that we're good at, different things that we've studied, different knowledge levels, all of those things, but each one of us are put into the body and have a part and a role and a function to play. Romans chapter 12 verse 4 says, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. This is just one of many verses that we could turn to to talk about this important concept that all of us have a different role to play within the body, but every single role is important. And in this list that he gives here, how important are these things? How important is exhortation or exhorting? You know what exhorting is? It's encouraging. How important is it to have somebody in your church, in your congregation, that is an encourager, that smiles and gives you a hug and says, how's it going? And encourages you when you're having a hard time. It's important. How important is it to have people that are good givers that have a heart for the church, that want to give, give to people, give to the work, give to evangelism, give in, in any sense of the word. How important are givers? How important are teachers and having effective teachers to, so that we can all learn and grow? All of these things, ministering, serving to people, prophesying is something specific uh, in that time that would have been revealed a prophecy. He distinguishes between that and teaching uh, here. So we don't necessarily have that today, but showeth mercy people that are merciful, that give grace, that are forgiving, that have those sorts of hearts. This is not saying only elders in a congregation are valuable. This is not saying only deacons are valuable. This is not saying only evangelists are valuable. These are saying all of us have different gifts, different things that we do, and every single one of us is valuable. And just like the physical body, if one part of our body stops to function and is not participating and is not doing what it's supposed to do, it hurts the whole thing. And the same thing's true here. We need everybody. We need all of us fulfilling whatever role that we have. And all of us understand we're all at different places. We all have different knowledge levels and different abilities and all those things. And all of us should want the best for all of us. And for all of us to be as engaged and productive in using our talents and abilities in the way that we can. Every member is important to the body. 1 Corinthians 12, as you continue in verse 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. You know, the scripture teaches that God desires that all people are saved. Did you know that? He wants every single person to be saved. And that means if you're saved today, if you're in his church, part of his family, he wanted you here. And he wants you to use your talents and your abilities and the things that you can do to help his family to grow. He wants you in this body. We look at the, the physical body analogy that's used by Paul here again, talking about feet and hands and ears and eyes. And I mean, who wants to be the smelling? Who wants to be the nose? I mean, that doesn't sound that great. 
But if you all of a sudden lost your sense of smell, if you had COVID and lost your sense of smell, that was a big deal. And then your, loss, your, your sense of taste, big deal. That was strange. When your body's not functioning right, it matters. It makes a difference. Hands and feet, you know, it may be more, uh, more desirable to be the hand than the foot, maybe. The foot's kind of a, especially in that day, as you think about sandals and dirty feet and all that, very, very undesirable, maybe part of the body to be, and somebody goes, I don't want to be the foot of the group. But how important are feet to our physical body? Extremely important. Wouldn't get very many places without them, would you? And so that's the point, is that every single member, no matter who you think you are, if you think you're the nose or the foot or the eyes or the hand or whatever, I don't care. There's no specific uh, application that's given here as to who fits which of those, uh, those illustrations. Point is, you're important. We go forward in verse 21. It says, the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be feeble are necessary, or seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part with which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. You know, there's things in scripture that, that I just find interesting. The, the, the reverse type concepts, right? That are, re- that are the opposite of what you would think. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. I mean, that's opposite of what you would think in, in normal life, right? And this is another one of those. Because he talks about the parts of the body that seem to be more feeble, or less comely, in other words, less beautiful or desirable and those sorts of things. In a lot of situations, and as you even study evolution and you think about Darwinism and all that, uh, the strongest survive, right? The, the wink link, it's going to fall off. And you know what happens in God's family? The opposite. Those that seem to be more feeble, those that seem to be, have more struggle, struggle, less honorable, you know what the rest of the body does? We bestow honor upon them, and we help them, and we strengthen them. We have care one for another so that there's no schism or division or tearing of the body apart because it'd be real easy for the body to be torn apart by people thinking that they're better than somebody else. And God says, no, in my family, every member, no matter who you are, is important, and all of us have to have the perspective that we bestow honor and help and strength upon those around us. And if we're all doing that and we're all showing the same care for one another, the body is strengthened overall. And we're all a little bit closer in our relationship with God. But I want you to know, as equally important as members are to the body, the body is just as important to each member. And the body of Christ should be just as important to you personally in your Christianity. And that's part of that interdependence. It's part of that mutual dependence. Is that not only are you valuable to the body, but the body is valuable to you. And I want you to know that. Ephesians chapter 4, 13 through 16 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working... 
in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I know Jerry's going to talk about spiritual maturity and growth, so I'm not going to go too far into the growth concept, but I just want us to recognize, what does this passage follow? Verse 11 and 12. He gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come, and then he, he starts this. Think about what he's saying. Jesus, the head, has given these offices, elder and evangelist and teacher in a congregation, to help the group as a whole to be strengthened, to grow, to be able to do the works of ministry so that all of us come in unity of the faith to a greater knowledge of the Son of God, that we grow up, that we not stay children, that we're spiritually strengthened, that we grow together, that we can be discerning of false doctrine and false teachings that's out there so we're not carried away by every false thing that's brought forth, that we grow up into him, that we take what every joint in the body supplies and we increase, we grow, we're edified, we're uplifted. And I want you to know that God has established his body together in that working, thriving, many members, one body concept so that every single individual member like you and me can grow and be successful and get better and be stronger and have a better relationship with Jesus. And so as important as each and every one of us are to the body as a whole, just as importantly, the body should be to us individually because it is through the body and through our fellow Christians that we are strengthened, that we grow, that we learn, that we increase and are edified, okay? So ultimately, I think interdependence can be summed up in this statement. The body draws its strength from each member and each member draws their strength from the body. Interdependence. We're mutually dependent on one another. And if we as members are not doing our part for the body, the body is weakened and therefore unable as effectively to help each and every individual member. If we individually as members put everything that we can into the body, the body as a whole is strengthened and therefore is more effective at helping each individual member. Mutual dependence. So I want to talk about some implications of this principle Notice I didn't call them application because that's what CV is going to do. Some implications of this principle. So, but just in concept, and then, and then I know that he'll have some, some very specific uh, good things for us to walk away with in this concept. But some things I think we can learn. We need each other. Okay? And I think we can take that, obviously, as one of the illustrations here. We need each other for a lot of different reasons. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, but for accountability and growth, as we've talked about, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you're trying to do this Christianity thing on your own, and you don't recognize that you need the body, you need other Christians in your life, that you should be dependent upon them, you're losing a valuable aspect of that, which is the accountability that we provide for each other. The help in struggle and in sin and in temptation. What we can do for each other when we veer off the path and we've got people that can step in and go, hey, you veered off the path and you need to come back. We think about help and support, the second part of this, bear ye one another's burdens. How often have you had something that you're dealing with in your life that it's hard to carry by yourself? That you need help and you need some support. Bear you one another's burdens. You know, if you're not a part, if you're not here, if you don't recognize that you need, that you are dependent upon the other members of this body, you lose out on that. 
You may not, because the body may still, even if you're trying to do your own thing, the body is probably still going to be trying to make an effort to help you. But the reality is it's going to be harder to help you if you don't want help. And if you're not here and engaged and apart, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need each other for the help and support that we can provide. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other for strength and encouragement. We talked about how important it is to have somebody in the room that's an encourager, and it is. And there are a lot of encouragers in this room, and I appreciate that. Because all of us from time to time need that strength and need that encouragement. We need people that are provoking us to do good things, provoking us to love, provoking us to do good works, exhorting or encouraging us as we see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? The day of Christ one time, when, at some point when Christ returns. The day of Christ. As we look forward to that day, there's going to be struggles. There may be persecutions. There may be difficulties. There may be things we're walking through. We need people in our corner. We need each other for the relationships and for the family that we gain. I want you to remember what Jesus said about his, his mother and his brothers. I kind of feel sorry for his, his mother and his brothers in this passage a little bit. Because uh, they're coming, they're wanting to see Jesus, their, their son, their, their brother. And Jesus instead looked out the crowd and he's like, behold, my mother's and my brethren. And he says, all of you are my family. And his point was, whoever will do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. His point is we're a family. In Christ, we're a family. And in the body of Christ, if you're a member of the body of Christ, you have a family. And it doesn't matter what your physical family is like. It doesn't matter your background, where you come from. Maybe you never knew your family. Maybe you've got a family that's not, that's not Christian. Maybe you've got a family that's, that's terrible and that's, 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 that's evil, that's hurt you. In Christ, you've got a family that loves you and that cares about you, that's exhorting you, that's going to be helping you, that's here for you. It's a valuable part of that interdependence, that mutual dependence that we have in the body of Christ. The church is hurt when we don't do our part. That's another implication I think we can take from this principle, right? If you're not here, if you're not participating, if you're not engaging, if you're not fulfilling your function within the body, the rest of the body is hurt. You know it's discouraging when someone disengages. 2 Timothy 4, 10 and 11, Paul said, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica. Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. You know, you can hear the sadness, at least I think I can, hear the sadness in the words that Paul pins there. Demas hath forsaken me. You ever known people that were engaged, that were apart, and then something happens, and they're gone? Or they pull back, they disengage, they're not apart. It hurts. It's discouraging. Don't be that person, number one. But what happens when that happens? The rest of us feel it. And then we've got to try to pick up the slack and move forward with whoever's there. But it hurts. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, 27. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. One of the great blessings of being in the church is that we've got people that will cry with us if it's time to cry. That will smile and laugh with us when it's time to laugh. But part of this suffering with each member is that we hurt when you hurt. Mutual dependence, interdependence of the body. And it should be that way. And there shouldn't come a time when a member is hurting and the rest of us don't feel anything. We should feel it. And we should care. And we should love. And we should help. And the same thing's true back and forth. That all of us should feel those things. 
And when somebody disengages or pulls away, it hurts, and it hurts the church overall. Others must try to pick up the slack. Notice he says, take Mark and bring him with thee. I don't know if he said that specifically because he had lost Demas and some of these other, some of these other people that were with him. But if you remember John Mark, there's even a, a greater story there that I, that I find fascinating in Scripture, which is at one point Paul didn't want to take John Mark with him on a missionary journey. And the contention was so, was so sharp that he and Barnabas could, stopped working together at that point. And Paul took Silas, Barnabas took John Mark. But then later in his life, Paul is saying, bring John Mark. He's profitable to me. So I want you to know that even someone who maybe has disengaged or someone who's not performing their function, as Paul obviously viewed John Mark as not performing his function, he had, he had gone home early on a previous trip, and he goes, look, if this guy's not going to be committed, I don't want him with me, that can change. And if you've disengaged and you're not functioning the way that you should, you're not doing your part today, I want you to know it can change. And you can get re-engaged and have that dependence upon the body once again that you need. The church is hurt when we don't do our part because it will increase the likelihood of injury, fatigue, burnout. And I know we've got another sermon on injury, so I'm not going to step all over that either. But as you think about other people picking up the slack for the member that's not doing their job or that's not engaged, and the more of that that you have, the greater the workload on a fewer number of people. And when that happens, the likelihood of other people getting weary and fatigued and tired increases. And it could cause other people to end up going, I can't do this anymore because of the amount that's been placed on them because you weren't there or you weren't doing your part. And so it has an effect on the entire body. Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. And that's my encouragement to each of you, no matter if you feel like you're picking up the slack for somebody else or the body is thriving at 100%, regardless, when we're doing good, don't be weary. And no matter how much we're doing and how much we, 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 we think is on our plate, just know that ultimately there's a great reward for Christian people who are here and engaged in doing what God has called them to do. And so don't be weary, but recognize that weariness is something that can come when others are having to pick up your slack. And less will be accomplished overall. Uh, what's, the, what's the phrase? Um, many hands. Ooh. Many hands make light work. Right? If you have fewer hands, what does that mean about the work? There's more work for everybody, which means there's going to be things that fall off and that don't get done. And as a group, we're going to be less effective at sharing the gospel. We're going to be less effective at all the things that we're trying to do if we have less people involved and engaged. Another implication we can pull from this interdependent principle is that when we all put in 100%, we will all thrive, right? We've talked about that. But spiritual growth will accelerate, Colossians 1, 9, and 10. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When we've got a group of people that are dependent upon each other, that are engaged and that are involved, that are praying for one another as Paul was praying for them, we're going to have a group that is growing spiritually in spiritual understanding and wisdom, that are being more fruitful. Together we're all going to thrive. Peace, unity, and love will increase. How important is peace in a group? How, how important is unity and love and having good relationships and not having problems and unforgiven things and all those sorts of problems within a group. It's extremely important. And when we're all here and we all have the perspective of I'm dependent upon the body, I want to be a part of the body to improve my spiritual life, to grow, to help my relationship with God so that I can serve others. When we all have that perspective, we will all see each other with love and through a peaceful lens, through a lens of unity, 
through a lens of trying to work together and not of seeing petty differences or personality conflicts or things that get in the way. And so I think all of us need to take that to heart, that as we put in 100% peace, unity, and love will increase, and ultimately more souls will be saved. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, when we as a group are trying to evangelize, trying to bring souls in, are those souls more likely to come in and, and, and listen and, and trust us enough to hear the gospel preached and respond to that and join the group and get engaged if we're not engaged together? Or if we have problems that aren't unified or united in what we're doing, I think it's obvious. As we put in the work together and we do that in love and unity and peace and, and, and spirituality and a dependence upon the group, our effectiveness is going to increase and souls are going to be saved and lives are going to be changed. And isn't that why we're here and the point of what it is that we're trying to do as a church is to help lives to be changed, to be modeled after Jesus Finally, we can't go at it alone, and this is the main thing that I want, that I hope you've already taken away from this, but I want to reinforce it one more time as our last point this morning. There is a feeling sometimes, and I've, I've sat down and visited with a few different people over the years and studied with a few different people over the years with this concept, but there's this idea of, of the lone wolf Christian, this idea that I don't have to be a part of a group, a part of a church. Christianity is about my relationship with God personally, and that's it. I don't have to be a part of a church. I don't need a church. And the reality is that is not what I see in Scripture. I don't believe that the independent Christian is a biblical concept. Now, you're going to find yourselves maybe at times by no fault of your own in a situation where maybe you're alone or maybe you're, you're, there's only a few or for a short period of time you're alone or those sorts of things. But this idea that I'm going to be a Christian but I don't need a church body is not biblical. What the Bible teaches is that mutual dependence, that interdependence of Christians together. And I want you to know Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, the principle taught here is still true today, just like it was when Solomon wrote it. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken." If you're alone and you're trying to do this Christianity thing alone, you're missing out not only on a lot of blessings, but a lot of help by people that can be there for you to help you in those difficult times. But instead, if you try to do this all by yourself, when you fall, you've fallen by yourself. And there's no one there to help you get back up. Think about this concept this way. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I think one of Satan's favorite things is when a person makes the statement, I can do this on my own. I don't need a church family. I don't need a group. I'm going to be the lone wolf Christian. I'm going to be the, the independent Christian. I think that's one of his favorite things. Because you know how much easier that makes Satan's job as a roaring lion? Look at this picture. That's not a situation that looks like very much fun for that buffalo, is it? Surrounded by lions, all by himself. And this is what happens to the independent Christian, the Christian that says, I can do this on my own. I don't need a church family that doesn't have that interdependence that we're talking about this morning. Is you're alone. You're on an island. That's exactly where Satan wants you. But now look at this picture. And how much different is that? You got a lion coming towards you. You got a pack behind you that are there for you, that are going to help you, pull you from the fire, Restore you when you go off path. 
They're going to love you. They're going to care about you. I promise you, you want that. And you need that. That's what the scripture teaches about interdependence. We need each other, folks. If we don't, if we go at it alone, we're going to miss out on the blessing of deep Christian relationships. Which are so incredibly important. As we close, I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. As he penned his epistles to these different churches and individuals. Think about the number of times when he talked about specific people that he had relationship with. I want to read you the end of Colossians chapter 4. And I know this is a long reading. But I want to do this on purpose. Because I want you to pay attention to the relationships that Paul had. And this is one church. This is one area. One letter that he's writing. But he didn't miss out on the deep Christian relationships. He put everything that he had into the church. And you know what? As, as important as Paul was in the scheme of writing letters and doctrine and we're still reading half the New Testament was written by him today and all those sorts of things, Paul got just as much from the church as the church did from him. And you can hear that in this reading. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, that's John Mark, touching whom you received commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision, they only are my fellow workers under the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record. You know how he was able to bear him record? Because he knew him. I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician. And Demas, this is before Demas forsook him. And Demas greets you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord and thou fulfill it. Salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be unto you, amen. Folks, I just want you to know the Apostle Paul had deep, meaningful Christian relationships that served him and helped him as much as he served and helped them. And that's the point of the interdependence of the body. Let's be that for each other. Let's grow in strength as a congregation. Let's put everything that we have into what we're doing here. And all of us will be benefited from that. If you're here this morning and you're not a part of that body, it's the greatest group of people that you can be in. And I'm not just talking about the group in this building, although I might think that. But the greatest group of people that you can be in is the church of Jesus Christ. Christian people. If you've not started your walk with Jesus, today is the best opportunity that you have. If you're here and you are a member of the church, maybe you've struggled. Maybe you've not been engaged. Maybe you've not been putting into the body what you should have. Maybe you've not been performing your function. Or maybe you're dealing with something that you need help. We're here for you. It's part of why we're here. So if we can help you in any way this morning, we'd ask that you come sit on a front pew as we stand and sing.
Thanks for joining our sermon series podcast today. For more, check us out on YouTube or come worship with us on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings.